0: Have you seen me dice bag? Uh, The Grognard Files Hello, my name is Dirt the Dice and this is the Grognard Files podcast where we talk bobbins about tabletop RPGs from back in the day and today. I'm coming live from my den after returning home after another trip to UK Games Expo in Birmingham. The organisers measured the success of the event by its size and the footfall, and this time it was bigger than ever. Role-playing games made their presence felt more than previous years too. Dungeons & Dragons, Paizo, Modifius, KSCM, Goodman Games and Free League were there, as were many other small press publishers. At times, it was really, really, really busy in the trade hall. This year, our experience was affected by the long-running dispute between the rail operators slash the British government with the railway unions, and Friday and Saturday were strike days. To avoid the disruption and to support the struggle – we travelled by alternative means. As you'll hear, our resolve was tested somewhat by events, bad planning and poor map-reading skills. Throughout the weekend, there was a nagging suspicion that the rail strike was affecting us more adversely than anyone else that was there. This is not the normal format of the podcast, we'll resume normal service next time, but we hope you'll forgive this annual indulgence. I always suspect that it's like being trapped in the room of someone sharing the holiday photos of a camping holiday in Morecambe. There's no way out. Just nod along. Just nod along. During the weekend, I ran a game of Old School Essentials in the worlds of Planescape, and I ran Elric, effectively the fourth edition of Stormbringer, and played a game of Conan 2D20. I'm joined in the room and Zoom of role-playing rambling by our resident rules lawyer, Judge Blythe, who GM'd Monster of the Week and Traveller and played Torchbearer. Going to Expo is about the games, but also about meeting friends and members of the Travelling Grog squad, and this year was no exception. I joined three good friends on a panel on Saturday afternoon, the Repair Shop panel discussed games that we wanted to see revived. It was hosted by the ever-excellent Dr Frankenstein himself, Dave Patterson. And I joined fellow panel members Steve Ray from All Anthrex's Gaming Vexes and games designer Paul Fricker from the good friends of Jackson Alliance. You can hear the full discussion over at the Frankenstein's RPG feed. Go on. Go over now and hit the follow button. And there's an edited sample of the chat here, where we consider the enduring appeal of RPGs. I'll be back at the end of this with a few parish notices. But until then, ramblers, let's get rambling. Part 1! Welcome to the room of role playing, rambling. I've got Blithy with me and the fridge. Hello there, Blithy. Hello there. We're in the kitchen, aren't we? We've recorded recording here before, haven't we? No, we're in the work kitchen, are huh? And so if you hear grumbles and groans, it's the various pipes doing their work in the background. There, there is. a There is a geezer thing, isn't there? A Bubbling geezer. away with hot water. So, yeah. But the only geezer I'm bothered about is you, and <laughs> we're back. <laughs> We're back on dry land after going to Birmingham. Birmingham, Wow. People kept saying to me, you look tired. You look tired. It's the gamer equivalent of a marathon, isn't it, Expo? Yeah. Because there is a relentlessness. You go down on the Friday and you play games and you go to the bar and you drink beer and you go back to your hotel and then you get up early to play more games and then you play more games and then you have more to drink and then you play more games. And it, it's exhausting. It is an exhausting thing, isn't it? People, don't, people who don't game don't understand it. People said to me, what do you mean, exhausting, idiot? You're just not having a good time. I am having a good time, but it is exhausting. And I feel bad this time because normally when I'm there, I take photographs and put it on Twitter. But I did pause this time before putting it on Twitter because I feel like it was a privilege to go... It, it costs a lot of money um, on it's, it's not a, it's not a cheap. Thing. No, it's not. If you're going there for the weekend, it's a, it's a bit of a dear, dear, isn't it? Uh, and it was like the, we called it the Uber Expo, didn't we? Uber Expo, yeah. Uber Expo, <laughs> is it? Not, not in the sense of Ubermensch. In, no, in no not in so Very, no, it's definitely not in that sense. So. <laughs> um, it, but yeah, it's, uh, it is expensive. Um, it racks up. And uh, like you say, we want to stay near the, the NEC. It's expensive, and being in the—it's uh, like I mean, I know everyone talks about this, this is a hotel bar. You know, seven pound a pint. You think, blimey, that's that's a lot. Yeah. We're a northerner. That's a lot. I mean, Manchester prices have gone up recently, but seven pound a pie, twenty pounds for fish and chips—that's the thing I couldn't get over. Yeah, in the, the bar restaurant, you said we get something to eat, and we looked at the prices, and of my eye was drawn as a yardstick for how expensive the menu was: fish and chips. 20 quid. 20 yeah. quid. And so I was pausing about putting pictures of a, having a good time <laughs> on yeah. Twitter and yeah. rubbing people's noses in it mm. because it feels like in the middle, because people are struggling, out not yeah. It does feel yeah. like a yeah. privilege to go on. So I'll, instead I'm just going to do a hour's chat. we we'll rub people's noses in it. Rub people's noses in it. chat yeah. But also we'll concentrate on the horrible bits as well. Because it worse. We'll, as the worst horrible mates, yeah. The worst. Do you do mild? But before we get into that, I've got a, a pre-Fox broke game. For okay. For to play, all right. Okay, as you know, we bu- when we we're in the trade-off, we bumped into Pookie. We do, we always do. We, we do. always do. We it's never out of Yeah. I mean, that's another element of the exhaustion, well, right? you've got the trade-off to consider, haven't you? Yeah. Which is huge and bewildering. And you feel somehow, in between all the games and socialising, you've got to fit that in. And it's quite difficult to do. But in the trade off you will encounter Pookie. It's yeah. almost inevitable. Yeah, it's inevitable. If it was like a wandering monster table, it would be roll a d one to nineteen, you bump into Pookie. Twenty, it's someone else. Yeah. That's what yeah. it would be like. I, I think there's more of him than just one. He could be, couldn't he? Yeah. So Pookie is the uh, reviewer extraordinaire of reviews from Reliant, the online blog, and he uh, we, we ended up. Somehow being his Sherpa. He went to carrying his bags. Yeah. <laughs> well, he looked I felt a bit sorry for him. He's carrying all these bags and you just felt like... He's like. It, we felt like we had to help him, didn't we? Have yeah. a bobby job. Pookie porters. He's huge bags filled with stuff that people had given him to review and stuff he bought. Yeah. Loads of them. Now, he's done a YouTube video where he's taken everything out of those bags. And me, like an idiot, has watched it. No, I haven't. And do you know how many things were in that bag? I, I would expect, there's over 70 things. No wonder my arms are aching. And so what I thought is a little bit of a pre-Fab Sprout game. Okay. Okay, he was pulling them out of this bag, like rabbits out of a hat. Yeah. And I'm going to give you, I think, there's five of them here. Okay. Four of them are genuine, one of them I've made up. Four of them are genuine things that Pookie has either bought yeah. or was given. Give it review. Either or. Yeah. First one. Cool. Fabula Ultima. Fabula Ultima RPG. Okay. Fabula Ultima RPG. Are you giving me any more background information to these things? Okay, I'll give you a bit I mean, more. Yeah, okay you know. This one is well, this one's an RPG based on Japanese style console games. Does that help? Uh, give uh, you uh, a bit more context? Um a little bit, yeah. So what, you, you, what do you play? Do you play a console game characters in it? You create they create worlds as if they were console games. Oh, okay. Like, particularly Japanese console, uh, okay. ones, like uh-huh. Final Fantasy and all that. Mm. Second one, a set of scrubs. A set of scrubs RPG. A set of scrubs RPG. What's that about? So it's a solo game. Yeah. Okay. And you play a surgeon's garments as they pass through people during the day you what yeah so <laughs> they clean clothes so you're playing clothes as they pass through people I, I'm instinctively thinking you've made that up but then again it's so ridiculous that I'm not sure could you even make no. a set of scrubs that's your second one. so you play you you can't get past this so you? no well I, didn't, I just need to get my head around it. So, here we go. It's our Wednesday night group. Yeah. Me, you, Alan, Steve, Mark, Joe, and you're going to run a set of scrubs for us, right? And we're hiding our disappointment. <laughs> but, but you're you know in mean? a set of scrubs. What, what, where would it work? How would that work? Or Do you not it's, run off about it? It's a solo game. It's a solo oh, game. Oh, it's a solo game, right? Yeah, so, oh, solo. yeah, you did say. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. if, if you all turned up, I'd just give it to one of you and say, so play that, that. we're doing something better. <laughs> better than this. Yes. You, can you it's a solo it? game. Yeah. Solo game, set of scrubs. It's not a role-playing game, though, is it? I I I, can, I, I I I get the idea. It's it's a it's a game yeah. where you play some surgeon's call. If this is the fatal one, I would be really annoyed because I'm thinking about it too much. Maybe you've just made it up. In which case, why am I bothering? Why am I interrogating the concept when it's some rubbish you've made up? Forget it. Move on. Okay, next one. Okay. Balrogs and bookies. Balrogs and bookies. Balrogs and bookies. <laughs> Do you want more about that? This is about Balrogs going down to Ladbrokes or something. No, it's an RPG set in a betting shop within a gladiatorial arena. Balrogs and bookies. Balrogs and bookies. It's a role-playing game. It's a role-playing game, yeah. Okay. I, I can see that. I, I can see that working. The name seems like something you'd make up, but the concepts seems reasonably sound. I can understand right. that. But would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Next right. one. Go on. First responders. First responders. First responders. Okay. This is a cipher system supplement where you pay fire officers. First responders. Seems, that seems, if, if you made that up, that's pretty pedestrian. But it that seems plausible, that. I can see that. Can see you can see someone might think, well, that would be an interesting role-playing game for some people. If you play, yeah, like Fire or... What if I said you were playing Fireman's Helmets? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's a solo game. But, Go on. Okay. It's the final one now. Uh, last one. All right. Coffee and chaos. Coffee and chaos. A comedy tabletop RPG about running a coffee bar or restaurant. There you go. So which of those? Okay. So the ones I'm drawn towards is obviously a set of scrubs. Yeah. Because that seems preposterous. Or coffee and chaos. Coffee. Because that equally seems limited in scope. Mind you, it says something about me, doesn't it? I think that sounds made up because for me, role-playing games are all about death and violence and not, not, not running a cake shop. It doesn't seem plausible, but I'm sure it is plausible I, I for some make, people. I, I think you could make somebody ordering a jacket potato with a cook slot exciting. There are, yeah, there are yeah, things like that out there, I suppose. So I'm going to say, I'm going to have to say a set of scrubs It's the fake one. I suspect it's not. I don't think you'd make that up because it's so. But I, if I'm being honest, that just strikes me as being set of scrubs is actually a solo game. It's a really solo game. I never get this right. Do I? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you can see uh, Pookie pulling that into his bag. It's so the um, fat. So, yeah. The, fate? the f- fate one is Balrogs and bookies. Oh, which, you see. Yeah, yeah. RPG set in a gladiatorial arena. I would love to play yeah like that. that seems plausible doesn't it yeah yeah I, I, as, as you know we i did that at pbm back in the mm, day, yeah, got day to that, design, yeah. yeah and it's always been my dream to have like a ongoing soap opera set with rpg yeah, set within yeah. a, an arena i should have seen that yeah i could see that you would make it up there we go surprising some surprising stuff out there in there i think this is the thing with expo you you go around the trade uh, hall and you see all the familiar stuff one of the things about Expo is people go around and they go to uh, Freely, Modifius, KSC, and whatever, and you look at the stuff and you think, But well, yeah, I bought all that, haven't I? I bought it, because yeah. I bought it online. But as well as that, there's all this other stuff there that you look at and think, I've no idea what any of this is. Yeah. It's not on my radar at all. you know. And I know some of it is board games, card games and things like that which aren't I suppose on our radar anyway but there is sometimes role playing stuff that you look at like indie stuff where you think never heard of this at all it was quite notable this time I think that there was more of a RPG presence mm. I think because uh, Wizards had DD there was yeah Monty Cook games and Free League had a bigger they had a big standing bigger standing than they would they have done in previous years so it just felt like um, RPGs were making a presence. But you're right, in that second hall, there's quite a few of those small press publishers, isn't there, with yeah. small press RPGs. Yeah, yeah. In many ways, they look more attractive in the way that they're presented. Yeah. But they've got a bit of a difficult sell because they're usually selling at the same price as a kind of mainstream book. And as well, if you don't know what it is, you, you're drawn to it, but if you don't know what it is don't Know much about it, you might be reluctant to buy it, but obviously, it's a good opportunity to find those kind of things, isn't it? See those kind of things. And you find that those people who are on those small press and uh, stalls really work hard, don't they? To oh, yeah, yeah. Get, try yeah. and get the, mm. the customer. It's good to see them, really. I yeah. think enthusiasts for them, yeah. Biggest. It is, it's a tough, tough thing, isn't it? Tough thing to, to sell these things because it's still, even though all the thousands of people there and all that, we always say, it's still relatively speaking. A minority perceived, isn't it? For certainly for the indie games. So even if D and D 5e is very popular, it's still those indie games aren't really on those people's radar. So yeah, we had a very limited time in the uh, trade hall this time. Mm. Last time we made a point of yeah, schlepping around, didn't we? And doing it systematically. This time we had less time and that was partly caused by. The epic journey that we had The epic journey, yes. <laughs> yes, the journey down. Are you sure it's my round? Been very close, didn't we, to not going? Yes. Because we knew that on Saturday the trains won't strike. But we had a train booked for Friday and we we're coming back on our train on Sunday. So it was just, well, all right, we'll, we'll maybe get a cab from the hotel to, any, you know, we normally get a train, but it's only this Saturday, it'll be okay. And then about two or three weeks before Expo, was it Aslef? Aslef, yeah. They, they announced a strike on the Friday. And it was like, oh no, so the Friday and the Saturday. So we had to cancel the train. Yeah. On the Friday. And there was a, there was a point, wasn't there? We did think, shall we all bother? It's going to just be really hard work getting there, this, you know? Yeah. But we did. We ended up getting National Express coach. Didn't really yeah. want to drive, did we? No. So, we, no. Uh, we got <laughs> National Express coach. We got National. I've not been on a coach for quite some time. No. No, it's a long time since so I went to the college trip, yeah. Yeah, and I was picturing it like the uh, Divide Comedy song I was expecting. <laughs> a jolly Hostess. Jolly, yeah, a Jolly yeah. Hostess. There wasn't, was there? There wasn't, no. Kind of a surly fella who kept yeah. looking at a clipboard. And yeah. They had to breathe into the machine, didn't they, before they had sat on? Yes, that was interesting, wasn't it? It was like a breathalyser thing they had to breathe into it. Yeah. And they had to register that they were okay to drive before it would kind of go. Yeah, it was interesting that. I it? thought it was inflating the tyres. Just <laughs> blowing the tyres up. We were at the front, weren't we? Right. Everything was everything was perfect. On, pe- on paper, it was okay because it takes about two and a half hours to get to Birmingham, which is longer than the train, but the it coach itself is quite a comfort. You know, you think yeah. this is all right as an alternative, isn't it? And then when we're sailing down the motorway, yeah, and it was going. Fine. And you say, we'll get there. We'll check in early. We paid to check in early. We'll go in the trade hall, and then we've got games at 3 o'clock. We'll play our games at 3 o'clock. It'll be fine. It'll be. It's going It's going well. And then we hit the traffic for... But we never really stopped hitting it. No. Until we got to Birmingham. No. It was about... An hour and a half late, wasn't it? Something and, like that. Yeah, it was a painful process. The driver decided that he'd come off the motorway and he was yeah. moving slug and slug. You were getting annoyed. I man. was getting, you were getting annoyed. You getting annoyed about the toll road He didn't go on the toll road. You didn't go on the toll road. He had the perfect opportunity to go on the toll it's road. It's 13 quid on the toll road. Yeah, I'd have paid him. You'd have given him, th- have given him 13 quid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll pay. Get on the toll road. Got games to play. Nobody goes on the toll road because you have to pay for it. And that includes national spray. I've been on the top of the world. Yeah. Do you know what? It's good. Do you know why it's good? Because nobody goes on then it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth the money because no one's on it. <laughs> yeah. That's what's good about it. So it was it a was painful journey. It was. Because all that sunshine caused a, a sweatiness. Yeah. Those seeds hot Yeah. And sticky, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, we arrived in uh, Birmingham. And then we had to get from Birmingham to yeah. the NEC. I think it's worth saying this point as well, because as this story unfolds, people may think that this is plausible and we're making stuff up. Yeah. But Jonathan was with us, wasn't it? Yeah, there too. was a third party with him verify, independently verify, verify that this is, next aspect, this next is. aspect, is true. Yeah, <laughs> it did happen. So we had, we got us all to didn't we? We checked it; that was fine. Yeah. Uh, and then we thought we need to get to X1 bus, the X1, X1 bus to get to the NEC. Um, we made the mistake. It didn't seem like a mistake at the time, but we made a mistake of asking the lady behind reception, didn't we? At the, the whole hotel. Time. Yeah. How do we get to the, the concierge? To the the yeah, X1 bus. It was on a particular road, wasn't it? We yeah. said, so how do we get to here? And she said, oh, well, it's just down there. I so said, it's quicker if you cut the Primark. Because see primer, you cut through primer, and then you get onto the more Street entrance. But on the other side of primer, it's quicker. It if, is, if, if you've seen this across the world, it was like we'd been given a bit of local knowledge that was going to give us the edge yeah, yeah. over. In fact, our, I think you said, "Here we go, local knowledge. That's what you need." Yeah, tap it? the side of my nose. A bit of local knowledge. The, the local knowledge is good. If only that local knowledge extended to. Once you get into Primark, <laughs> yeah. how the hell do you get out of it? <laughs> and we did, and this is this is true. End up lost in the lingerie department of of yeah. Primark. The three of us wandering around the ladies' underwear department. And what was worse than that was taking a, a right sharp right in Primark and ending up in a beautician. Beauticians. beauticians. beauticians worse than the underwear. People having treatment. People having treatments, and he's like. Very well turned out young ladies. I looked at these three middle-aged men. Sweating in at this. Weird, in weird t-shirts. <laughs> wandering around. Looked at us. Great fence, really. What the hell are you doing in here? Yeah. Why well, are you disturbing my threaded. Yeah. Oh, we, oh, we, we oh, what do we do with your eyebrows? What's all this what all that about? Yeah. No standard. Anyway. Yeah. So we then had to, we then resorted to asking one of them. How do we, how do we get out of here? How do We get out of here. We're in here. We don't know how to get out. We time travelers, or something? we just come from another another dimension. How the hell do we get out of here? So then, so then we find our way out. The sign said, "Integrated transport system." Yeah, that's what the sign said. An integrated transport system. Now, we failed our map reading role, didn't we? Because I think it's fair to say we may have fumbled it. Yeah, more than failed it. So, the bus stop was somewhere on the roads around the train station. However, there was about, what, 30 of them? Yeah. There's a lot of bus stops. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? That sounds yeah. like a good thing. There's a lot of bus stops, there's a lot of buses. That's a good thing, isn't it? It's only a good thing if you know which one you want, when right. the bus stop is. Otherwise, yeah. it's a nightmare because you just think, oh, there's loads of them. So, that, and on the map, it tells you which one you need to get yeah. to. Yeah. We don't make it very clear, because it's the opposite way around to reality. <laughs> Whereabouts <laughs> that said bus stop is in relation to where you are now. Yeah. So it's fair to say that we, I ran, I was running, I was read. running. I don't read. it's a dangerous thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I was running. Yeah. I checked every single bloody one of those. Yeah, street match with, you are here. All right. Oh know I'm here, but I want to be here. I want to be the bus stop. How do I get there? <laughs> no use at all. Absolutely no use. And at one point we saw an X1 and chased it. Chased it. Like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> like dogs chasing a bus. Yeah. Like lunatics. We'd, we'd realise we weren't going to make our Friday afternoon game. I know. Them, which is a bit disappointing. That was quite disappointing. Yeah. We're quite bad about that. We weren't going to make them. It was like playing, because by this point it was like 3 o'clock, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. We we spent about 40 minutes trying to find that bus stop, didn't we? And I said, right, I'm going to ask. Yeah. I went into the train station, the integrated transport system. I asked the person there, and she said, I don't do buses. No, integrated. It's integrated. integrated. I don't do buses. I don't do buses. You should. It's integrated. And by accident, I stumbled across the one we wanted. And then there was a bus there. So I kind of did hand signals to Jeff, because we split the party, haven't we? That was another mistake we made, we split the party, yeah. So you would two came puffing all over the hill, run it, and it set off on its way, and we resigned ourselves. To wait another twenty minutes, then. Twenty minutes. But then even when we got on that, it goes to Coventry, doesn't it? It says it goes to Coventry. Yeah. And we it, sat there for a, for a bit with our are we on the right one? Here? Are we on the right one here? Is it not going the other way, is it? I mean, oh. you know, Coventry, right? From Coventry are we? No. But we didn't. In the end we didn't. But it did did go round the houses. Cause <laughs> the other the other thing that happened is that the bus in front that we ran to get brought down so all the people Butch, that were on that bus yeah. filled all up. Yeah it was hot, it was hot, wasn't it? Yeah. It was hot and sweaty. And there was various aromatic substances being smoked certain on the table. smells <laughs> were <well, though. It's- laughs> Not all of which were legal, and but we convinced ourselves then, right? It doesn't matter, we can just get something to eat, yeah, and have a look around the uh, trade hall. And that's what we did, didn't we? We, yeah. we entered the Ballardian nightmare that is the yeah. NEC yeah. So, and wanted to drive. And we, we saw this remote place on the edge of the runway, and the bus stopped, didn't we? Yeah, oh, did. and we said, Who the hell's stopping here? Yeah, and it turns out that's where. Johnson's. Johnson was staying yeah It's <laughs> <laughs> the middle of nowhere. It's like a strange little house, wasn't it? We went past it, didn't we? Yeah. Like a shack in the middle of the yeah. waterway, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like a we got there eventually. I think he set us up for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. I said to you, I think oh, all I want to do is be walking down that concourse to the trail. That's all I want to do. Be happy when I'm doing that. Ignore this. It's a rug covering a hole. And he said to me, Right, Dirk. This might be your only chance to go in the trade hole because for mm-hmm. the rest of the weekend we booked up, aren't we, on games? And we yeah, that is the thing. Bu- booked up on games, and uh, you were doing that panel and things. And it you, see, you think, well, you're not going to get much chance to go around the thread hall, really. No, yeah, no. So we uh, we we had a look round that. That was Friday, wasn't it? We had a we had a up yeah. rail uh, there, and um the the, the free league. Um, had Quite good uh, deals on their books. I picked yeah. up on a, a couple of theirs. I bought the Forbidden Lands uh, Best Way, yeah. Which is, if I never play it, it's lovely to look at. Good when it's good when they have good deals on because the Goodwin games had uh, some good deals on it. They, they were selling the DCC book for a tenner, weren't they? Yeah, so it was, it was 15, 15 quid on the 15 Friday. It was 15 on the Friday, it was a tenner on the Saturday because I went back on the Saturday. Uh, I ended up buying it, even though I got a copy. I bought it again because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it's nice to have a spare copy in it. One you can get out of the big r- table and not worry too much if it gets a bit of coffee spills on it or something. But at the tenner, you think, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, and I saw loads, of, loads of people bought that room. Loads of people bought yeah. it. Yeah. Quite it's a good, good strategy, really, to kind of, yeah, flood, flood, flood the market with your game, really. And quite good because they've just opened an online store in the UK. Yeah, they are, yeah they've are. they opened it. They've opened it, yeah, yeah. And so it's quite sensible to get it out there, some yeah. people complain. Yeah. Now, when I was going past the, in the DCC thing, these books caught my eye. Well, one particular book, it's a huge book, Judges Guild book, uh, and the second volume is... A collection of all the it's like facsimiles of the uh Judges Guild stuff that came out in the uh yeah. late seventies, early eighties, and uh as you know, Jacques the um artwork and uh, I kept looking at it and I was quite impressed and I was drawn to it, but they were way too big, so I passed on passed on them. Passed on them. So I went to uh it we then went to mm, the bar you did pass on, but at that moment I had all those premonitions that I did have. <laughs> I would to that. I'm beginning to think sometimes about like a sixth sense. <laughs> but only in relation to you and stupid purchases. <laughs> it's of no use in any other respect. But anyway, we'll come on to the oh, one one. Boy, of course. So and um, we went to the bar and uh, the hotel bar and uh, what chattoage did you have? What's what was the gossip you picked up from the the streets. Did you get any? Or can you not remember? It? Gossip from the streets. Yeah, it's not oh, what it's supposed okay. to. Do? Yeah, if it, if we what what do they call it in a, a role playing game? If you go into a bar, or oh, we'll find out, or oh, get some rumours. Rumours from the yeah. uh, I think I, no, in, I don't, know. I, don't know. I think in Gumshoe they call it um, scuttlebutt to get the scuttlebutt. You can roll. All oh, right. Oh, yeah. I don't know Did I get any rumours? Did I get anything? Did you see anything? I don't think I did. On the Friday, I was talking to. Paul Fricker and he was giving me some podcast recommendations oh, ok and one that I've started listening to I know that you're you're not a massive fan of podcasts are you? no especially this one yeah <laughs> but he he recommended one called Filthy Ritual okay. Filthy Ritual it is very good it's a story it's a confidence trick right and the setup is that uh, this woman is preying on people in Hampstead. So quite a well-to-do area, mm-hmm. and she's getting them to hand over money, which she says she'll nail to a tree in South America, in the Amazon, and they will get spiritual benefits from it. She don't explain how the you shamans give them, you yeah. give them. some you give her some money. So give you, blithe, if yeah. you give me yeah ten grand.
1: You
0: know uh, that a lot of money, not five of that. Yeah, lot, give lot me ten grand. grand. Yeah, ten grand. And do you know that boil you've got on the back of your neck? It'll be I haven't good. got a boil on the back of my neck, have <laughs> you made had. that one. it <laughs> go on if I have. Yeah. If you have ever got a boil on the your yeah. neck, yeah. I'll put it'll be gone. It'll be gone, and you'll you'll be, it'll, it'll alleviate it because the shamans, over. So, what, but what what do you do with the ten grand? What do you do with that? Give it to the shamans. <clears throat> give it to, give it to this woman who will take it to the shamans. Right. Is that a shaman? A the a shaman of a, in South America. Nail it to a tree. Nail oh. the money to a tree. Nail the money to a tree. Nail the money to a tree. Nail the, money a tree. the money. That's a, that's part of the ritual. So me, 10,000 pounds. 10,000 10, pounds. 50 pound notes. It's going to be nailed. Each note nailed to a tree. Nailed, nailed to the, nailed tree. to a tree. In the Amazon. Yeah. And the shaman's going to do some ritual and then the boil on the back of my neck. No, so. you, you think that that is preposterous? who would fall for that? Yeah, I'm, beginning, I'm thinking that immediately, who would fall for that? But people fell for it in number, so it ended up like millions and millions of pounds this woman managed to get in this area. Maybe think, she sells it differently than you did. May, well, obviously, because I'm not a confidence You're trickster. you confidence trickster, right? Are no. Yeah, that's it. And you told me it was about confidence trick. If you hadn't, They'll be able to follow for it, you yeah, know, because those boils can. But then again, annoyance But then can, again, maybe I would not <laughs> And that was kind of it. It opened up a conversation about how how does it seem that people who are wealthy or intelligent, mm. and wealthy and intelligent, these these people that she was, who were remarked, were uh people like uh, solicitors and yeah. uh, people who, in the normal run of life, you'd say, well, I like, they fall for that, but they did. And there's a vital link in this, a great character called Keith, who's an osteopath, who was kind of her conduit to his client list. Right. He he unwittingly exposed his client list to this uh, woman. There's also uh, stuff involving fridges, decaying meat and a monkey, but I won't go into them. But, yeah, it's it's worth uh... (laughs) that. Okay. (laughs) Crazier than uh, the scrubs game. Yeah, because so that was the main topic of conversation on the, on the Friday. Yeah. Saturday's the big day, isn't it? Saturday's Saturday. the big gaming day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Up, up early. early, up early. A bit too, right. early. A bit too, a bit too early. early. A bit too early, yeah. Yeah. I had uh, my first game at nine o'clock. Yeah. And we got an Uber. We got an Uber, We got an, we Uber, an Uber, Uber, didn't we? Yeah. And at a reasonably priced Uber. Because we should say that, we got an Uber back home. Oh, yeah. That night. Mm. Which wasn't reasonably priced. It was not it? reasonably priced. Yeah. I think the Uber drivers and taxi drivers at Birmingham would have worked out that due to the rail strike, there were lots of stranded gamers at the Metropolitan yeah. Hotel. <laughs> we, we handed over quite a lot of money, and it wasn't yeah. even nailed to a tree. It wasn't even nailed to a tree, it matters. I mean, yeah, all we got was a taxi drive. We're driving, still the boil on the back of our neck, Which, on the train, takes about 15 minutes. But somehow yeah. in an Uber, it, I don't know... They, they, they bend time and space. It's a weird thing, isn't it, driving to NEC? It seems, I think I said to one point, you see a sign that says, just centre, four miles, or on the other way, it says NEC, four miles. And you think, well, we're on a, we're on a dual carriage, maybe I'm going quite a four bit there in a the minute. Yeah. It takes forever. Yeah. It takes forever to get there. It's a strange thing, isn't it? I like said, the train is, well, ten minutes, isn't it? Ten minutes, yeah. Ten minutes to Birmingham International, that's it. But, yeah, in a car, it's kind of... All over the place. Yeah. But anyway, we got, we got there in the morning. Yeah. First, I had my first game at 10. Yeah. Mine yeah. was, at, mine was at nine. And I was hampered by the fact that the room I was in, the Westminster wasn't on any map. <laughs> no, does it? No. And in their wisdom, they decided to put these big digital signs with the yeah. logo on each room of the UK games Expo confirming that you were actually the where you should be. And then in tiny writing, on a white, white letters, on a white background, it had the room name. So throughout the week, weekend, you saw people kind of scrunching their eyes up, kind of yeah. leaving up there. Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to find it. Anyway, I ran a Planescape in the morning. Yeah. I was a bit apprehensive about the Planescape game. It was a scenario that I'd taken from the Well of Worlds, which mm-hmm. is like a scenario collection. And although I've been reading quite a bit mm-hmm. about Planescape, I only played that great modern march at Virtual Grog Meet. And I'm just getting a sense of kind of the background and all the information, the setting. So I was a bit concerned whether I would get somebody who was like the resident expert on Planescape yeah, and the yeah. mythology. I didn't know worry that all the players were great. It was a fantastic thing. Uh, they really got into it. Um, they really got into the game. And I had to make quite a few changes to the uh, scenario because it was one of the... I find with uh, some of those Planescape ones, when you read them, you think, oh, that's, re- that's, that's really entertaining. But then you realise, but there's nothing for the players to do. There's nothing for the players to yeah. interact with. It's a Good story, but that's not really what you want, is it? You want things for players to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up with some old school stuff of like crossing, uh, rivers and, uh, negotiating. There's all this thing with the batsu, because you, you were employed, you didn't realize you were employed by a batsu who was sending a love letter mm. to uh, one of us, tenari. And we kept getting muddled up between our demons and devils. <laughs> it's very easy to do. Um, so this Batsy couldn't enter the abyss because it was owned by the Tenere, but so every year he was sending a love letter to this succubus who was in a tower, you see. And this succubus was trapped in the tower because the rest of the Tenere assumed that she was some kind of spy for the battery, but couldn't work out why, you see. So there's various encounters along the way. It was, and we really played up on the old school element of it. So they had a 10-foot pole that wasn't quite long enough. Oh, quite though. long enough. Yeah, ten and a half feet. <laughs> <laughs> so <it was> quite, <laughs> quite funny. And it was entertaining, but what I realised, like I do very often with these uh, convention games, is that... It all starts off, when, when the fighting starts, everything slows down a bit. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. Hard, it's hard to keep people's attention yeah. during a, a fight scene. Once the turn start. Yeah, once yeah, the turn start, everything slows down a bit. I think yeah. everybody enjoyed the kind of playing yeah. into the situations. But then when there was a battle, mm-hmm. um, it kind of slowed down. So I ended up the epic battle at the end being more of a chase. Yeah. So I didn't slow down just to speed it up. But what, what were you playing in that morning? I ran Monster of the Week in the morning. Yeah. Monster Wells of Manhattan. An adventure I've written. Mm. Adventure's what I've wrote. An adventure I've written. Um, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed running. it. It's a good game, Monster of mm. the Week. I've said this before. It's a very good game. Very easy to run. Um, only drawbacks with Monster of the Week, I suppose, are it, it's hard sometimes to stretch it out because it's a very, it's not improvised, not an improvised game, because there is a scenario and things will happen. But there's a lot of kind of wiggle room in it for players to do what they want. In those Powered by the Apocalypse games, it's very much about them rolling nice and either succeeding, failing, or, of course, success but, success but, and success but kind of drive some of the action. So if people succeed, sometimes it it moves things on quicker than you might want. Yeah, that's one of the it's not a draw, it's not a drawback as such, but it's just a quirk I find of Monster of the Week. I mean I'm not particularly familiar with other Powered by the Apocalypse games, but Monster of the Week has that thing of uh, you can run a decent scenario in say two and a half hours and quite a lot will happen. But if you try to run it for three and a half hours, there's a, there's a thing of well, wow, it, it might you might struggle with that because yeah, yeah. It, it rewards like players can be inventive. It's quite cinematic, and I suppose un, unlike Planescape, you don't even though a fight's in it, you don't have a like, turn base. It's not turn based, no. so it can be quite fluid. So it's not as though you can go right. you can have a here's a fight, five players roll initiative, right, what are you doing? Right, you're doing that, what are you doing? What are you doing? And those kind of things do extend the game quite considerably, don't they? Like you say, it slows things down. Yeah. But in Monster Week, you have fights, but it doesn't really slow it down. Yeah. You know, and, but it's not, that's not a bad thing because it's quite an inventive game and there's a lot going on and your players bounce off each other and you bounce ideas off them and that's great. Um, but it does mean it can be quite a quick game. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at the watch thing. Normally you look at the watch in a role play game when you're in a convention game. And you think maybe there's a lot to do. It's racists, 12 o'clock and all the you know, yeah. other. There's a lot to do. Whereas in most of the week, it, sometimes you have the opposite problem. And also, I suppose, not having turns you as a games master, you have to manage the players a bit more because you have to keep your eye on people who are sitting in the background and maybe not saying and doing things because all the people are a bit more dominant. Yeah, so a drawing. Yeah, you've got to, you know, because again, with, 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 a, with a turn-based game, it will be your turn. Yeah. Even if you're a quiet player, yeah. they will look I think look, like, said that. look at you. And I go think we said that last year, didn't we, about the advantage of turn-based games is that make sure that everybody has a chance to contribute. Yeah. yeah. I think it, It's the tyranny of the convention slot, isn't it, that you've got time that you feel that you need to fill. Yeah, You don't really, do you? You could finish it early. No, no, this finished about half an hour early. And I suppose the other thing with Monster of the Week is you have the advantage that you can spend some time creating characters at the table with the playbooks because that's the way you do it, isn't it? So that's quite good fun as well because people create characters that you're not necessarily expecting. Yeah. Yeah. The other element of the tyranny of con games is I decided to have six people. Mm. And it's not. I realised when I was sat there, and I did it again on Sunday, that it's a while well, since I've run a game for quite so many people. Uh, yeah. And it it does... Yeah. It, it's it, funny how one, one extra, like, like that, five, some games, depends on the game, some games work very well with five players. I'd say I had five players from Monster of the Week, but I would say it probably works better months of the week with three or four players. Yeah. Partly because of that thing of there's no turns and it's very much a sense of, rather than saying, what do you want to do? It's more about players telling you what they want. To do. We find that with the gun, not we, when we did it? Uh, yeah. When I had six players and when we did it for the More Cup weekend, it's just, when you do those narrative games, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, fewer players uh, makes it better, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. But it, its I do think it's a great... It's one of my favourite games once of the a week. I think it's a great game. And every time I play it, uh, people enjoy it and do kind of engage with it, even if you've never played it before. You know, the playbook way of creating characters and the ideas on the playbooks fire people's imagination and they all come up with characters that they quite like and that they want to play. That's a, you know, again, you're not handing them a pre-gen. No. You know. I, uh... There was a point when I was playing on that Saturday morning when I thought, oh, this reminds me why I like running convention mm. games. Because I was playing a couple of people I knew on the thing from uh, the grog squad, but there were others that I didn't know. And uh, stuff that people were coming up with was really good. The characterization yeah, yeah. of uh, the character had and coming up with some inventive ways, but it was just somebody saying, uh, because making some questionable decisions mm. along the way, one uh, of the players said, "Are we the worst things in hell?" <laughs> I thought, "Yeah, that's brilliant." Yeah. That's, that's and brilliant. that is a good, the good thing about Expo. That I think we've said in previous years that there's an element of the wild west about it. That yeah. You don't know who you're going to get, and occasionally you get someone that you think, "Blimey, sure, no, sure, I sure want to play with you again." Yeah, but generally you don't. No. Generally you don't. Th- those people stick in your mind a bit more. But generally, the people you meet and the experiences you have are quite are good. You know, they yeah, are good, positive. They are positive. You know, and a different. And it's good because you get a different demographic as well um, than we normally than we normally play with, and that that can be a good thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 The younger players at the table at Planescape and. The perspective really yeah. pepped it up, you know. That it was good to have it. Then it was uh, on for the uh, the seminar. Oh, one. you did your seminar. I was still running my game when you were doing your seminar. Yeah. So, so let's have a have a break tonight. You know, yeah. And, uh, and we'll uh, come back in a bit. Mm-hmm. The repair shop. Before we put anything on the workbench, we're going to ask ourselves a question Why have role playing games. Had such an enduring appeal. And I don't know if you know, but 50 years to this day, we've got this from my games letter produced on June the 1st in 1973. And it says this. Are you ready? Miscellany. Alistair McIntyre sends the following news items. Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson are compiling an extensive set of rules for fantasy campaigns. Gary is very interested in collecting more fantasy gamers. Contact him at 330 Centre Street, Lady Neva, WI 5... I I don't think... I think it's expired now. (laughs) Don't get your a stamp. So 50 years this month, according to the game historian John Peterson, it's the first twinkle in the eye of Dungeons & Dragons. A few months later d d was uh, published, and uh, 50 years, 50 years, and we're all still here. We're still playing it. It's outseen, Cabbage Patch, those little clocker things, Tamagotchis, Knowles House Party, Cabbage Patch. Every, it's outlasted, Teddy Rookspin, everything. <laughs> but why has it endured? Why has it lasted? So despite all the ups and downs it's experienced along the way, why do we keep playing role-playing games? Dave Patterson if you've just been adjacent to the hobby or you actually get back into the hobby, it's been a fantastic way to make friends with, with people doing something that is rather an odd kind of exercise, but actually becomes very participative and and, and gets everybody back into it. So there's a lot of people in this room whom I would say are very good friends. So I would I would say one of those things is very definitely the social aspect. So why do role playing games carry on, Something that you go away from a table most of the time, remembering something that's happened, and you, you, you're drawn into this sort of uh, epic storytelling type thing. I could be a little bit pseudo intellectual and say it's replaced the bonfire or the, the campfire and telling tales around the campfire, replace that with, you know, VTT in a computer screen. But, you know, that's kind of the idea, I think. Paul Fricker,
1: 20 years ago, and, and I'm sure some of you can remember 20 years ago. Seminars at Dragon Meat about the pretty, I don't think this was the title of them, but this was pretty much the premise the death of role playing games. Is it all dying out and is it all fizzling away? Because it, you know, it it did feel a bit that way, which is hard to conceive now, because now it's like, you know, those, those seminars are things that died out. Um, And then 10 years ago, we saw a a massive change, I think, with, uh, you know, with, with uh, the new edition and D and when I was working on the new edition of Call of Cthulhu I can remember one of the things I did was listen to actual play there was Skype of Cthulhu that was about there was one show there was maybe like one or two others but there there really wasn't very much now there's I mean there's you guys there's a whole range of uh, actual play shows and podcasts so as a as a role player time was You know, you could have your lonely fun reading your rule book or, you know, you only had in-person gaming. So you'd only do it occasionally or you'd be writing scenarios or planning it or thinking about it or whatever. But that was kind of in your head or or on paper. Now you've got the whole thing of being able to, to live it vicariously through, you know, contact with it. Almost you could pretty much do it 24 hours a day. Steve Ray. The thing about role playing, whether you're a GM or a player, actually that the whole is greater than some of its parts. It's it's something where if you see a group of people playing around a table, it's not that they're a piece of okay, maybe you know if you're using theatre to the, the mind. You're not you can't see anything happening, but for those people involved, it, there's magic happening in a lot of ways. In as much as magic happening, in as much as you can, you know, you can see there's people totally involved. They're loving what they do. They come back week after week. You know, day after day to actually t- to play that. As you say, people enjoy it in a whole range of different ways, whether you're watching actual plays or participating or just even just buying the books or in reading them. Um, you know, I think it is something you can engage in, like, it- whatever suits you really.
0: Part two. Welcome back to the Zoom of Role Playing Rambling. We're doing this second part over the phone. We have to fit these in when we can, don't we, Bladey? We do, we do. We use every means at our disposal. So that was uh, the seminar that I did with uh, Dave Patterson, Paul Fricker and Steve Ray. I made a mistake, by way. Not like you. The idea of the concept was that it was like a repair shop. People brought games that hadn't been revived, they thought were mm. great for revival. So it was some time ago, and like all of these things with conventions, I decided what I was going to do. A distance gone, and thought I'll think about it later. I'm sure you'll be able to say something. Because the rest of them made very solid pitches Based on the examination and a genuine love and desire to uh, revive the game. But when I come to look at Space Opera, fantasy Games Unlimited, I realise that pure nostalgia, pure nostalgia. Didn't, we didn't play it, did we? It was just that desirable object that was in the game store and i just like the cover yeah it was it was there on the shelf in odyssey 7 quite expensive um, out of reach because it was on the top shelf also a bit confusing i remember wondering at the age of about 13 but well, what's space opera what's that like? what's that like? space opera What's, the, what's opera going to do with it? I didn't really realise a space opera is like a soap opera. It never clicked with me. I remember thinking it was a really funny title for a game. The, the idea of it being an opera gave it a sense of gravitas and that it would be serious-minded. And You might have thought that. I just thought it sounded stupid. Anyway, I, I had to read it again, and it is so complicated. And suffice to say, I didn't win uh, that seminar, but it was... It was a good thing to do in the afternoon. Uh, I saw about—I mean, the whole idea of these seminars is just some for people to come and have a sit down, isn't it, when they've been round the trade halls? Was it? Was yeah. it a case with your game as it was more like the beyond repair shop? There's nothing to do with this one. I'll back. There, there were only there were only about three people who looked like they were falling asleep anyway. So, I'm putting that down as a success. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Millie for ar- arranging it. Uh, it was really good fun. So, what what did you play? We we, we had a, a couple of games, didn't we? Well, we played a game each, didn't we? And this Saturday afternoon, what did you do? Remind me. I played Torchbearer. It's it's based on Burning Wheel, isn't it? The Burning Wheel system. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I know yeah, a little yeah. about it. I know a little about it. And the first the first thing I have to say is that the title sounds a bit rubbish. He can be a you do. sword you bearer. Do. You do. He can be you an axe bearer, but a torch well, bearer sounds a bit mundane. Well yeah, yeah, I suppose that's the point really. I think the point of it is um it is a game about the the grind and difficulty of dungeon exploration. So it's very much it's very keen on the idea that you know the longer you're down in the dungeon. Uh, underground, the more detrimental the effect would be, and you've got to you've got to worry about light and provisions and stuff. Survival. it's survivalist, I suppose. And so I suppose the torchbearer thing is the idea that maybe the most important thing when you're in a dungeon is a torch, as in being able to see. Right. You know, when when it comes to, when it comes to the crunch, if someone says you're in a dungeon, you're underground, there's no light, you can have a sword or a lantern. Or torch in actual fact the thing that's going to help you survive is the torch not the sword because you can see and run away with the sword you can't see and i suppose that's the gist of it because that's where the name comes from um but it's based on it's based on the burning wheel system which i don't know it has a reputation burning wheel i think has a reputation for being complicated and torch bearer is quite complicated i say complicated it's not so much that it's complicated the basic system is quite straightforward. It's like a d6 dice pool system. You have a target number. You roll lots of d6s, and if you get a four, five, or six, that counts as success, and a one, two, or three is a failure. So, roll six dice, and you need three successes—that kind of thing. Um, so, it's not—it's not complicated from that point of view. But there's a lot—there's a lot of moving parts to it. One of the tricky things with the, the guy who ran it was, it, it does. It does become like a, a demo game almost. But he did he did a good job of it. He did a good job of it and it was useful because I am I am running it for our one-shot club, aren't I? Because oh, yeah. I quite like yeah. it. When I when I signed the game, I got the PDF. I read the rules. And it, it, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. But it's kind of an interesting game. Um it, it talks about it being like like these games do. It's like a, a love letter to the old OSC, the old, old you know, old school OSR kind of games, you know. But it's nothing, it's nothing like an OSR game. Apart from the fact it's in a dungeon, and there's dwarves and elves and wizards and stuff. But as a system, it's nothing like those no. kind of d d hybrid things. You know, where there's a bit, oh, it's a bit like D&D with a few tweets. It's nothing like that at all. It's a world no. away from that. I, I have heard of uh, Burning Wheel and... I know that there were some games of that at last year Expo, but I know very little about it, so yeah i am I am intrigued to find out how it plays. There's nothing wrong as well with at these uh, conventions particularly Expo more than any others that it's pitched as a kind of demo game because the game I played was very much like a demo game in in a sense, yeah, yeah yeah. I suppose I think that that was the right way to run it because there is a lot going on if you never play I mean I had the advantage that I'd read the rules, but other people hadn't they'd come to it completely cold, but all the ways you can argument a role and some of the consequences of a role and that kind of thing you need to kind of have a bit of quite a bit of knowledge to really um understand it and it actually says it's interesting because in the rules the open paragraph I think in one of the rule books says that it's, even though I'm running it as a one-shot, says it's not really a one-shot game. It is a game that you benefit from playing a number of sessions of because it has a campaign structure of you go to the the dungeon, you have the adventure, you set up camp, you go back to town, you you spend money, you might have debts, you might have people, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a game that, like a lot of these games, isn't it? We've talked about this a lot sometimes. You can do it as a one-shot. It was perfectly enjoyable as a one-shot, and it, I'm sure it will be enjoyable when I run it as a one-shot. The full flavour of the game is one where 10, 15 sessions of it will give you a real sense of what's going yeah. on. You know? it's, yeah, it, and, and I think last time, in the last uh, podcast we did, we talked about six sessions being the sweet spot, and it was afterwards I was reflecting that in... Powered by the Apocalypse, the original um, game, they pitch it at six sessions, don't they? That's for in order for it to operate, you need to have those six sessions for you to get the full thing out of it. And I think more and more you see in these games that are saying you need a bit of time for this to bed in, and it's not suitable for just getting a flavor of it in uh, one game. Yeah. And the guy the guy running it said that he said he ran it regularly at a games club and he started off doing a couple of one shots with it, but people wanted sort of more of it because they realized that there was a more there was a kind of depth to it that they wanted to kind of explore. So what it tries to do is focus on the things that in a lot of games are hand waved. Yes. You yeah. Go back to yeah, you go back to the town, you, you stay there for a few weeks, you recover, your you hit point's are fine, everything's okay, off you go on another adventure. Whereas in this, that isn't the case. Unless you've got money to get a nice tavern and live comfortably for a bit, you're not going to recover from certain psychological and physical conditions necessarily. So it means having money is important. You can set up camp. Are you going to light a fire? If you light a fire, there's risks of things finding you. If you don't light a fire, you're going to be cold, and that brings risks. It's that kind of game, but yeah. focus is on the things. Me and you, hand wave all the time. Yeah. God knows why, it, God knows why I want to run it. <laughs> listening to that, listening to that, uh, I'm thinking, uh, over the weekend, I was reading the uh, Forbidden Lands Bestry that I bought at Expo, and it really made me want to play forbidden lands and there's a bit of that in that because obviously it's a year zero engine but it really plays into the resource management and a a, a sense of that post-apocalyptic gloom that you know that all your comforts are withdrawn from you and that you know part of Surviving is just not not fighting monsters, it's just getting through the day, and is part of the uh, drive of the uh, player characters. And you can see there are actually uh, some parallels with the year zero system in Torchbearer. Um, It's not the same, but it uses a d6 dice pool thing, similar kind of thing, but it has like conditions as well. So you don't have hit points, but you get conditions like injured or wounded or. You know, yeah, certain psychological conditions that you can get. So there are some parallels. I, I went for a sort of demo game. It was a return trip for me. I played um 2D twenty conan, which I love and I would love to play more of. I mean we're doing a campaign at the moment, aren't we? Um once a month. But it it's a game that literally needs momentum and it doesn't feel like enough playing it once a month. And um, so it was good to uh, go back. Uh, yeah. Last year, I played with uh, Remy Feomi, and he runs a really good game with that idea of demonstrating a system, showing what it's capable of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last time when we talked about game and bling and what to bring to the table, yeah. I've never seen anybody manage game and bling quite like uh, Remy. He brings to the table... And a stack of cards with all the NPCs. You, you're sort of generating the adventure as you're playing. This was a piracy one, and uh, we could sail the seas and exploring different islands, and that was uh, great fun. Um, but he has uh, a stack of uh, NPCs that he pulls out of his hat and uh, put puts in there, and he's got uh, little ships that we could move along uh, our map. <laughs> yeah. and it, and, uh, floor plans for the uh, docks it's really really good really uh, inventive and exciting and the other thing uh, that he does really well is he's a fan of the players but he encourages the leaning into to use that terrible expression leaning into the cliches and tropes of corn uh, so I always come away I did last year and I did this time really feeling that I've been in the world of Conan. I must I must Stand up to one of Remy's games because you played two now. and speak very yeah. highly and, and, and yeah. enjoyed them. I must try that again. It's sometimes a problem at Expo that things don't fall quite how you want. And this doesn't put me in a good light, but I, the game ended and I had um, a little moment to myself. Uh, I bought a burrito and a beer, and I sat by the lakeside on my own. It was a nice sunny day, wasn't it? It was the weather was glorious. I sat there, and I I did have a little moment to myself, thinking, "You know, I knew that up up ahead we were going to have a night of socialising, and it was going to be fun. Oh, this is the best in life, isn't it?" Says quote Conan, "This is this is brilliant." (laughs) Here I am with my beer and my burrito, having a quiet moment. Quiet moment. I felt, you know, as I said last earlier, it felt like a privilege to be there, and I. Acknowledged that the privilege being there, and then uh, I stood up and realized I'd been sitting in duck shit. And so my pants were covered in duck shit. That's <laughs> God's cursing you for not playing any Expo. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was uh, the bar, and that was uh, great, righteous fun. There were some heated yeah. debates going on, though. There were there some heated debates, yeah, yeah. We tried our best to navigate our way out of them, didn't we? We didn't want... We do, we try and navigate. last, yeah. last thing we want is controversy, isn't it? You don't want controversy. That's not, that's not our thing at all. I think the most heated debate is who is responsible for a bad game? Mm. So when a game goes bad, at a convention, who's responsible? And that, that's interesting, That actually. And I, I didn't mention this in the battle, but the, the guy who ran Torchbearer, uh, for us, had an anecdote about how he'd had a bad experience at expo. I think it was. I think it was at expo. I could be wrong. I think it was at expo um, a few years ago. Uh, but at another at a convention anyway, where some people turned up and they were all they all seemed to be mates and they turned up to his game and they um, he'd said they hadn't really played the game in the right spirit. They'd just done whatever the they wanted and. Um, They'd then written to him, I don't know if they got a contact, they'd written to him, so giving him some award for the worst game they'd played that year it was his game or something. Which, oh, that's terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's not a thing I'd admit to whenever I was running the convention game. But the guy, I mean, in fairness, the the guy ran a perfectly good game. I, I think he ran a perfect he ran a perfectly good game with Torchbearer. Barrett um, he did a good job of explaining the complicated system to people who had ne- some who never read the rules. So, you know, credit to him. There's certainly no Indication from my point of view that he was he, he, there was anything wrong with the way he ran a game, and I think what came across was maybe it was was them, you know, yeah. maybe it was the players. Yeah. there is this there is this temptation, isn't there? And this was part of the heated debate um, in the bar that it's all on the games master, yeah. But if it's a bad game, it's the games master's fault, and. I'm not sure that's true even though the games master is in control to some extent of the game I don't think it's always the games master's fault yeah so. but I think uh, I think I think some of the c- discussion was around is it appropriate if it's going badly and the disruptive players mm. um to stop the game to stop it extend it at that point I think that's what the discussion was and um, because if you know if there's bad behavior taking place then you, you just stop the game, but I don't know that. That seems like uh, a drastic action, doesn't it? Um, I think it depends. I think it depends on the, the the action of the players. I mean, I have been in, a, I was in a game once, and it wasn't it wasn't a particularly bad game, but it was a game of fifth edition D anD D Expo. I think it might have been the second time I went, and it was on the Friday night which I've never done again. I've never played a game in the evening at Xbox. And it was, again, it was me and about four mates all knew each other, who were the other players. They'd all had a skinful. I wouldn't say they were disruptive. You know, they weren't, and they weren't unpleasant, but they were pissed. I, I suppose there's a tipping point, isn't there? It was a Games Master's tipping point where you think, this is hard work. Are these people drunk? Are these people being unpleasant to other players? There's all those kind of things where... Maybe as a games master, you have an obligation to manage the game and you have an obligation to manage the players and, and deal with players who might be uh, say something that's a bit out of order or say something or do something that's a bit out of order or, or not participate in the right way. You have to manage that as a games master. But maybe there is this sort of, I can't quite define it, but a kind of tipping point where you think, hang on, the, the, the behaviour has got so out of hand that, I'm going to abandon this. That's it. Yeah. you know, I don't know what a tipping my, point would be. <laughs> my 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 response would probably be to fake my own death and move on. Like <laughs> the Dutch chip broke me. That's it. After after that heated debate, it was the it, enraged don't come into it. It was another Uber trip, wasn't it, back to Birmingham? Oh, yeah, he made a he made a similar mistake. The torchbearer GM in that the way the torchbearer GM said I was the accused of running the worst game someone ever did <laughs> that's a mistake don't admit to that The the Uber driver admitted that he'd missed the junction on the motorway yeah now me I mean Martin was with us. wasn't the Cookie was with us. I think he's from Birmingham isn't it? but he did a bit to drink we're not from Birmingham we're in on the wiser but he's oh I've missed the junction I'm gonna have to go all the way around <laughs> of oh, you yeah. alright okay we don't know which we admit you admitted? I don't want to admit to these things. Give it yourself. The, the <laughs> roads were closed, weren't they? Because a lot of Birmingham's disrupted, isn't it, by that HS2 mm. and a lot of roadworks doing that. So, this great train line that's going to take 20 minutes off the journey time, well, it already yeah. owes me, doesn't it? It already owes me because it took 20 minutes longer to get to Birmingham. He added, he'd, added, he'd added 20 minutes to your journey. did, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so first time I get on it, all it's doing is breaking even 20 minutes. Forget the 40 billion or whatever much it cost to build it. Yeah. It owes me 20 minutes. Oh no, they sat in our chairs. Sunday morning, we always run a game at Sunday yeah. morning and we yeah. always. Make sure we start a bit later, don't we? Ten o'clock. We do. I ran some traveller. I um, was playing Elric, which is the well, I suppose it's the fourth edition of Stormbringer. It's tidied up a bit. Peter from Australia sent me uh, some the rule book and a lot of supplements for it, so I was keen to use it. So how, how did the traveller game go? Well, it didn't start off well. So a lot of the games had explore started at nine. We decided to start at ten because they allow you to do different time slots, you know. So well I'll start at ten. A bit more of a relaxed journey in to uh, to the NEC, you know, not against the clock at nine o'clock, which is which is what we've sometimes had to, to kind of deal with. The problem was though, when I went to my allotted room, all the tables have been taken. So that caused a bit of panic. Uh, and I had to speak to the room, ca- the so-called room captain. Not, you imagine it would be a man at a desk, wouldn't you? You mean a room captain? Because a man at a desk, in a, in a hat or a t-shirt going, I, "I'm yeah. the room captain. I'm in. i control of this room." At well, the very player. minimum, very, very minimum to have a branded t-shirt on. Yeah, but but then I had to, ask, I had to interrupt one game. This lady, I said, "Who's a room captain?" She said, oh, it's that gentleman there. I said, "Oh right. Oh, he's running a game, so I had to interrupt his game. That was a bit awkward." And he took me to the desk, and I said, well, there's none of this. I'll find another table, and we'll tell people. to another, There was another room next door with tables. So I pitched up there, and I said, right, well, I'm in the, the Gladstone room, whatever it's called. I'm in there instead. He said, oh, well, we'll tell. We've had two people asking about your game. I said, well, tell them I'm in there. So two people turned up. But I had four players, but the other two didn't turn up. Well, the room captain said, oh, I'll keep my eye out for anyone coming in. And I thought, well, you won't, will you? Because you're running a game, mate. <laughs> I could have yeah. noticed someone wandering in looking for my traveller game. So so I lost but, two players there. Now it might have been they didn't turn up because there was still a bit of chaos with the trades, wasn't there? So fair enough. But there's nothing wrong. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with um sticking some paper up on the wall yeah. and people ticking off when they arrive. Is yeah. that? I think that that's the idea. There's so if there's a so called room captain, somebody in charge of that room, why, why don't they just have a list of what should be taking place in that room? Yeah. And just go right. Yeah, who are you? You're running, Oh, you're running that, right? Yeah, grab a table. You're running that. Grab a table. Who are you? Oh, you're you're not in this room. So you got players, though. You you got nice I did get on. players. I got two. I got two players, and they they said, "Well, we, we'll play We'll run it." You know, um, his brother and sister, a couple a couple of youngest, say youngest, I'm in the thirties. You know, these young people in the thirties. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> Um, but they'd, they'd never played Traveller uh, before. Uh, they were keen to play it. They were, they were kind of like played a lot of Day and this edition. But they, they were and this similar to what happened last year. It was they were they were kind of experts expo trying to try different games, you know. Um, so ran Traveller for them, and I have to say, coming back to this theme of players, they were both really good players, and it was a joy to run it for them actually because they completely mm-hmm. engaged with it. And it was, probably possible, I'd say, the best game I've run at Expo. It was largely down. It's a good, it's a good scenario, uh, flatlined. Um, it's pre-written one, Mongoose. And it is a great scenario, great scenario as well for introducing people to traveler because what happens in it, you crash, you're on a crashed spaceship and you're in a low birth and you wake up out of low birth. You survive being defrosted very classic. classic. Classic, they, setup, yeah, huh? classic, classic setup, that Classic setup. And it's a, it's a bit of survival. There's a bit of skullduggery because you can't remember why you're on low birth. Something's happened to you. You don't remember agreeing to it. So there's a little bit of uh, uh, sort of more to it than just survival. But there's an element of survival where you don't have any equipment. So you don't have that problem that you sometimes get with sci fi games where people have got lots of stuff. You don't get any stuff. You've got to try and find it on the ship before it sinks because the ship's in water, taking on water. You've got to get stuff before it sinks. So get a weapon, get some uh, protective clothing, get some food, get all that kind of stuff. Um, And it's a great introduction because you're doing lots of roles to start with to find stuff and that kind of thing. Uh, But you're not overburdened with the tech technical things of travel, you know where you've got loads of armor weapons computers all that kind of stuff you, yeah you might good. get a medi- you might get a medical kit but all, all you got to worry about is the accelerator rifle We found in your medical kit and that's all you've got to worry about as a, as a new player so it's a good it's a good intro to to the game but they were they were, they were excellent players i really really enjoyed running it how did delrick go It went really well. It's really good. So this was uh, Begging Nights of Nadzakor, which I've run again uh, this weekend. So exactly a a week later, I've run it twice now. And so this is uh, a scenario that I've written, uh, set around the events in the Vanishing Tower, where um, Elric uh, fights this burning god that is in uh, the vaults of Urish, the King Urish's, um treasure vaults, um, and so the play characters play uh, knights of King Gurish were sent off to find a sigil, and this sigil is uh, found in the pendulum in Tanalon. and and um, the I suppose the twist of it all is that because they removed the uh, sigil from this pendulum, it has an effect on events. And so they get like premonitions of, um, their own doom and that kind of thing. Um, so it works, it works really well. And the, the, characters are quite varied because they, they're a bit grimy and a bit unkempt because they've come from the city of beggars. And so they've got all kinds of enhancements. They're almost like cybernetic knights because they've got various magical enhancements. But yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. Very inventive, uh, players. Neil Benson, Old Scottish role player, um, had a bag of uh, rotten potatoes. And he, he got a lot of value out of those potatoes. They <laughs> managed to do various things during the uh, the morning events. So. And, of course, I, I gave them the choice when they had the sigil. They could either give it back to Urish. They could actually go down to the vaults themselves, control this demon, steal the treasure themselves, and live a high life. Or they could go and give it to Elric, and of course, they went and gave it to Elric. You would, you would do, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give it to Elric if you can meet Elric in the game Stormringer or Elric? Why wouldn't you? You would do, wouldn't you? You've, you've given them a choice there. No choice at all, really, is it? I did. I, I did like the look on the faces when um, they were greeted by Elric and he said, "Oh." I'm feeling very weak as I face this uh, this demon. And they all kind of looked at each other and looked at Stormbringer. Yeah, was very good. <laughs> uh, there we go. That, that was good fun. Good fun for a uh, Sunday morning. And I started it off by unwrapping a Games Master screen. I always get the Games Master screen. That's your motto, isn't it? I always, I always get it if you can, yeah. I always get it. So they're quite rare, these Elric Games Master screen. And this one is from the vaults of KRCM. Because Doc Cowie very kindly, very generously uh, bid on my behalf at KRCM Con and won a cellophane-wrapped, a shrink-wrapped, wow. uh, the, last in the, the last in the vault, shrink-wrapped uh, Games Master screen for Elric. So I unwrapped it and to use it probably reduced its value by some significant amount by exposing it to the atmosphere. But, you know, there's a bit of screen envy there. I think I would uh, definitely... That's a nice thing to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a very good screen as well. Yeah, I spun that out for a bit as well, unwrapping it, made that as almost like a feature. (laughs) So we we were coming coming towards the end. Uh, We had our bus trip ahead of us. So, last look in the uh, trade hall, as is the custom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last minute and desperate to buy anything. Or is there something stupid there that you may want to buy? Yeah, well, we'll brush over this bit. Let's get back to the bus. Well, we'll let's let's not. Let's not. You say Elric's feeling weak, but I, I think you were a bit weak, weren't you, in the trade hall? One of the scenes of this chat has been, don't confess things. So, Games Master, don't confess. Someone says you ran a terrible game. Uber Driver, don't confess you've taken the wrong turn. But, Dirk, I think you do need to confess (laughs) what you did in trade hall, don't you? What you bought.
1: And don't
0: don't blame me. Don't say it's because I went to the toilet.
1: You You went to the toilet.
0: But you're you're a grown person, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't blame you me. Were, you weren't able to stage an intervention. You chose to go and have a tinkle. I had to I was at my most vulnerable. I had wonderful. to go for a I had to go. Come on. Particularly at my age. You know what it's like. <laughs> well, early on, I think I mentioned that I saw these uh, Judges Guild deluxe editions of jean Jacquet's facsimiles, a book of facsimiles, and I, I thought, like I, all through the weekend, I was having an internal dialogue with myself. You know, do I really? They look really. They'd be nicer own them, but really, I can't. I, I can't afford them. Really, can't afford them. Anyway, I was. I, I was stood there. You went. You went to the loo, right? That's the first thing I'm blaming. The second thing I'm blaming is Paul Baldowski was next to me, and I said, "I'm thinking again." And he said, "Well, you really should because you, out of anybody, will get the most value out of them. You'll play the games in there." <laughs> and I thought, oh. so I didn't really need to hear that at this point. And then no. um, Pookie came along, another enabler, a man who's bought, as you know, got seventy items in his bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not gonna help me at this stage, is he? Not he? Quite the opposite. He he what he does is gives he gives me a leverage with the person behind the uh, the stall for negotiation. And so then the then the haggling starts and I thought I'm in this now. I can't, I, I can't walk away. I can't walk away. Where's blithe to rescue me at my well, me? He's like, he's, and before I knew, he's, it, he's, it, he's, he's, I knew it. I mean, a tinkle. My uh, my credit card. I bought them. I bought them both. I didn't buy one. I bought them both because I got a better deal on buying both. It's. I think yeah. the only thing, the only thing from this that surprises me is that you bought them both. Um, because I have to say, the first time I went to the Trade Hall, uh, I said I wanted to find the DCC, the Goodman Games store, and we went there and we saw it, didn't we? We saw that big book, saw it, and I knew you buy it. As soon as I saw it, I thought he's going to buy that. we will be going on with that. I didn't think he'd buy ball. I'll give you that. That was a slight surprise, but it wasn't it wasn't the surprise that he bought them. I need I need buy them. I just sensed it. I could say I've known you long enough to sense it. We went to that store and I was looking at the DCC stuff and I was looking at the little, little dice tray they do and I was looking at the, the rules of it's quid or whatever. I thought, well, that's good. You know, and looking at a few modules and that kind of thing. And, you know, I asked him if they had the other diner stuff there and all that, you know. I thought, he's looking at that big book. He's looking at that big book. He's going to buy that. He won't buy it now, but he will buy it by the end of the weekend. Yeah. And he did did. The, whether I've gone to the loo or not is immaterial. Whether whether Pookie or Paul were there, immaterial. You were going to buy it. it the, the only thing you could, thing could say is that me not being there, you might have just bought one rather than two. But yeah. I knew you were going to buy it. I just know. I know you. I know what you like. But it doesn't stop there, does it? it? Doesn't stop there because obviously I had the kind of nagging guilt of me paying for it on my credit card and uh, that <laughs> element of it. But for Listeners at home, these things are the size of uh, paving slabs, aren't they? Yeah, they're huge, they're yeah, huge. I think I think it's difficult um, in an audio format, which is this, to get uh, yeah, to get a, a sense of the scale of these things. They, they are huge, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So like a paving. Yeah, they're about the size. Yeah, the same size as your average paving stone, aren't they? Really. And about as heavy to be honest. About as heavy as well. And you and you and Jonathan, probably quite rightly, for my penance, said, well, we're not helping you. I had to carry both of them with all my bags to the bus station. Fortunately we got a taxi. Well that's not, that's another story. We walked off at the taxi, the taxi driver wouldn't take any cards. We had to stop off and get some to cash to out of cash. the cash machine. <laughs> to, to draw cash. To draw cash. It it's funny that because we got in the taxi. Cause I said, let's get a taxi. You you were awful walking across Birmingham. Get a taxi. So he did, he stopped to the cash machine, didn't he? And I drew a tenner. When I stopped, you thought we were at the coach station, got out with the got out of the taxi with your books. And then I had to get yeah. back in. <laughs> I kind of stumbled out of the taxi carrying these things. We went right. Oh, we? so we're not here yet. Get here it back was, in to get back in. It was a fairly uneventful trip home. It, thankfully, the traffic wasn't as bad. I think we got into yeah. Chelten Street a little bit earlier, didn't we? But we, I then we had did to, actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah, needed to schlep across town uh, mm. to get uh, the train to home, but. They were cancelling them left, right, and centre. So I had 10 minutes and I had to run across Piccadilly to, to get home. And as soon as my wife saw me, do you know what she said to me? She said, um, She what? said, I fully expected you to bring something like that back. She said, What the hell have you got there? You look like bloody Moses coming down from the mountain. <laughs> the 10 commandments of gaming. Yeah. Was she surprised, though? I don't think she was, no. No, she wasn't. Neither was I. There you go. Right. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) See you later. Bye. 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 There isn't another bit. A reminder that you can hear the full panel discussion over at Frankenstein's RPG feed. Thanks again to Dave for organising it with Millie and to Paul and Steve for an entertaining discussion. I should also thank Jonathan, our travelling companion, as when we got to Manchester, he did help me carry the books to the train station, albeit reluctantly, mainly because my trousers were falling down. Don't forget, you can support the podcast and its projects by giving us a tip in Patreon. There's a new project starting this month. We are launching Grogvine in July 2023. This is a collaborative journaling project where notebooks will be passed from person to person to build up content, like the old days of the Amateur Press Association, but with added analogue methods. A great chain of ideas passing through the grog squad and creating something magical in the process. You can find out more over at thegrognardfiles.com. If you're listening to this at the time of its release, there's still time to sign up to be involved. You'll find a link over on the site. Also in this month, we've launched a request for Gamesmasters Masters for Owlbear and the Wizard Staff Convention online. Once again, we're supporting this annual event in Lemington to provide a virtual alternative for those who can't make the trip. The convention is taking place over the weekend of the 22nd to the 23rd of September 2023. There are plenty of slots available and we'd really be interested in seeing your pitches for games. The patrons are the people who keep this going, so thank you to current and past backers for your help in keeping this show on the road. We've had some new people joining, so I'll shout out to them next time and add something wonderful from the virtual table as a thank you. If you like the podcast, please pass it on and let others know. Leave a review wherever you can. It's hard to find new podcasts, so make good use of your word of mouth and pass it on. We'll be back to the usual format next time we'll be entering the realms of hauntology and the corners of our cities where they're hidden can be found. Until then, adios, amigos.